What a what a joy to see the kids up here this morning. Um, I just want to say this, and this kind of after the fact now. I probably needed to say this beforehand, but um, you know, sometimes when you're up here and you're looking out, you guys are intimidating. And uh, one of the ways that you can not be intimidating is to smile. And so I hope you were smiling at the kids. I know you were probably smiling in your heart at those kids because they're just adorable and they blessed us a lot today. What a blessing. But uh, I hope you were also, uh, your, your heart was smiling and your face was too because they needed to see you smiling at them. And uh, those kids need our, our love and support and grace and everything because we want them to grow up. And know Jesus and love Jesus and walk with Jesus and uh, be with Jesus. And that is like the most important thing in the whole entire world, isn't it? To know Jesus. And uh, that's what we're just singing. Uh, and I love the, that's, that's an old hymn. And I love that message. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full into his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. I don't know what you're dealing with today, but I know in a group this size, there's probably a lot of different things that you're dealing with. And some of you might be dealing with some very difficult things in life. And I just want you to know that the, the message of that song is true. Turn your eyes upon Jesus and look into his wonderful face. Because whatever you're dealing with, he'll give you a peace about it. He really, truly does. He gives us a piece about those things. And he does that in a strange way. It, it, the, the things of earth become strangely dim. In other words, we can't really explain it. But it happens because that's what Jesus does. Amen? Jesus is the subject. I noticed when I pulled into the parking lot this morning on the sign. Have you ever noticed this? I know some of you know that it's on there because you probably had a hand in it. But, uh, but if you haven't noticed it, it says on the sign, Jesus is the subject. And he is, amen? He is the subject. We sing about Jesus. We read about Jesus. We talk about Jesus. We honor Jesus. That's what we've been doing this morning, right? And I tell you what, I'm fine with that. I, I think that's exactly what we need to be doing as a church. We need to be... Uh, uh, lifting up Jesus Christ and helping people to see Jesus, experience Jesus, know Jesus, and walk with Jesus. Do you like to talk about Jesus? I hope you do. And have you talked about him with anybody lately? It's a good question, isn't it? Because so much of our life and so much of our time, if we're not careful, we go through life and we realize if we look back and we evaluate, we, look, we realize, I haven't really talked about Jesus to anybody. But you know what? Really, he ought to be on our minds all the time and he ought to be on our lips all the time. We ought to be looking for opportunities to talk about Jesus. Amen? Amen. I hope you have. I hope you've been uh, talking about him. Let's talk about Jesus this morning. Um, you know, Jesus, uh, he lives, Right? And he, he lives within our heart, he lives within our life, 
Uh, we know that he's at the right hand of the Father interceding our, on, on our behalf. We know that Jesus lives. But when we talk about Jesus and his presence here on earth, we're talking about him walking on the face of the earth. And that was roughly 2,000 years ago. So roughly 2,000 years ago, Jesus walked on the face of the earth. And do you realize that Jesus, even though it's been 2,000 years since he physically set, set foot on the face of the earth, do you realize that the impact of his life is still going on today? You do if he's in your heart. You do, you do if he's in your life. Amen? So, so when I began to think about that, it, it's truly amazing because he didn't have the most common things that we have today to promote. Right? I mean, he didn't have, he didn't have Google. Right? He didn't have Google. And so... And by the way, I'm a professional Googler, I, 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 and I can Google with the best of them. So I Googled Jesus, and you know what? I came up with, I, I came up with 4 billion, 150 million results in .96 seconds. Now, I'm sure many of those results we don't want to see because it's Google. When Jesus walked the earth, he didn't have the convenience of Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. I, I can't imagine, you know, uh, Peter and Andrew uh, looking at their phones, as we all have a tendency to do nowadays, looking at their phones and them looking at each other and say, hey, did you, did you see Jesus' story this morning? He got 100 likes on that. Can you believe that? <laughs> you see, all these tools that we have today, Jesus didn't have it. And on top of that, he wasn't from, uh, he wasn't from like a big city. He wasn't from like New York City or Los Angeles or London or Beijing or Hong Kong. He was from this little village called Nazareth. And here's... Uh, Here's the kind of thing that people said about Nazareth. They said things like, uh, can anything good come out of Nazareth? That's in the Bible. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? If you were a marketing genius and you were going to formulate a plan to, uh, to, make, your, uh, to make Jesus well-known, to make Jesus well-known, you, you wouldn't be real excited that he was from Nazareth. Uh, you wouldn't be really excited that uh, he was born uh, of, of a, a carpenter and, this, and, a, and a very young woman. Uh, you wouldn't be excited about uh, the fact that uh, really he was born in a barn. Um, you know, we, we use that phrase, were you born in a barn? Well, yeah, Jesus was. Um, he was. He was born in obscurity. Uh, even though like the, the, uh, the, the shepherds came, the wise men came later, he was born in obscurity. He lived really the first 30, of his li 30 years of his life in obscurity. Uh, as he lived uh, and as he really began his, his public ministry, uh, he went about doing really good things, healing people, teaching, crowds came, gathered. Uh, it was, it was, he, he definitely drew a crowd. But then he died a death that no one would, would look at as a good way to die. And he died a criminal's death on a cross. 
And then he didn't even have enough money. He, he had no money uh, in, to his name. Enough, he didn't have enough money to have his own grave. So they, they put him in a borrowed tomb. And so when you think about that, if you're, if you're a marketing genius, that's not a lot to go by, is it? I mean, you're going to struggle probably with that. And yet Jesus', Jesus fame, his regard, his esteem, his influence has not died in 2,000 years. Now, if you really think about that, that in itself is a miracle. That in, in itself is, is incredible. That, that he lived that life, died that death, and for 2,000 years his name has still been the name that uh, changes the world. And, he, and truly, he has changed the world. He's still changing people's lives. He's still influencing people's decisions. He's still the one who deserves our glory and our praise. And really, uh, understand this. We've been doing that this morning. But that is something that we need to do each and every day as we live our life. We need to be glorifying him and praising him. And he deserves that, doesn't he? He deserves that in our lives. And so, folks, Jesus is amazing. Amen? And when we sing his praises, we're singing the praises of one who will always deserve our praises. 2,000 years ago, people shouted, blessed is he. Hosanna, blessed is he. And 2,000 years later here at First Church, we're singing, Hosanna, blessed is he. It's amazing, isn't it? So uh, when, I, when I think of Jesus, I think that no one in uh, all of the history of the entire world has had as much influence as he has had in changing the world and changing people's lives. And we could, we could just spend some time this morning, really, we could spend some time this morning talking about everything that Jesus has changed. When I, um, when, when Barbie and I uh, had our, our first child, uh, our first child was, was born in a hospital called Good Samaritan Hospital. Why would a hospital be named such a, such a thing? Because of Jesus, right? I mean, and you look around and you look at hospitals and you look at ministries and you look at nonprofits and you look at all of these things that are going on today that are helping people. And it's happening because of Jesus. It's happening because of his teachings. It's happening because of his life. It's happening because of how he's changed us through and through. And it's incredible, isn't it? It's really incredible when you think about it. So I want to take you to scripture this morning. It's an obvious scripture. It's a scripture that we're definitely going to use uh, on a day like today, uh, Palm Sunday. We're going to read about it. We're going to read exactly uh, the, the story that goes along with this day, this, this day that we've set apart to remember Jesus riding into Jerusalem on the donkey. And so I want to take you to Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. And I'm going to have you stand with me today, if you will, please, as we read this together. When they approached Jerusalem at Bethpage and Bethany, near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and told them, go into the village ahead of you. As soon as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there 
on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it. And we'll send it back here right away. So they went and found a colt outside in the street, tied by a door. They untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, why are you doing, what are you doing untying the colt? They answered them just as Jesus had said. So they let them go. They brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their clothes on the road, and others spread leafy branches cut from the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for staying with me, honoring God's word. Now, first of all, I want you to understand that this was not Jesus' first time in Jerusalem. Uh, it tells us in the book of John, John mentions it uh, a few times. Uh, in the second chapter of John, John tells us about Jesus being in Jerusalem and cleansing the temple. In the fifth chapter of John, John tells us about Jesus being in Jerusalem and going to the pool of Bethesda and healing the disabled man. Then in the seventh chapter of John, John tells us about Jesus attending the festival of booths in Jerusalem. And so we know by that, just that alone, that Jesus had been to Jerusalem many times before. Jesus had developed a friendship with a man in Jerusalem. His name was Joseph, and he is labeled Joseph of Arimathea. And uh, it was Joseph of Arimathea that Jesus uh, used the tomb. He, it was Joseph's tomb that Jesus was buried in. Uh, then we know that he actually visited Mary, Martha, and Lazarus on occasion. And they were uh, actually uh, in Bethany. And Bethany was kind of like what we would think of as like a suburb of Jerusalem. And so we know by this that Jesus had been to Jerusalem many times. Now, the reason that that is important, the reason that that is significant is because I want you to notice the manner that Jesus sends these two disciples ahead to, uh, to get the donkey. He knew that he was going to have to, he, he knew uh, what he was going to have to do. He knew uh, how all of this was going to transpire. And so he had made arrangements with a friend uh, that had a donkey. And he had made arrangements that uh, this donkey had never been ridden before. And that he was going to send the disciples ahead and receive the donkey and bring it back to him so that he could ride this donkey into Jerusalem. And it's really interesting because he had kind of like this code word, code word, okay. And the code word was... Just tell them the Lord needs it, okay? And so they go and they get this donkey and they start untying it. And, of course, you know, they're untying someone else's donkey. And so they're going to be asked, what's going on? You know, what are you doing? Why are you untying? And so this is what happened. They, they go and they untie the donkey. And as they're un, untying the donkey, the people come out and they say, hey, what are, you, what are you doing? Why are you untying the donkey? And they look at him and they're like, the Lord needs it. You know, it's like the code word, the Lord needs it. And they go, oh, okay, we get it, you know, and it's fine. So they go and, and they take the donkey. Now, 
that helps us to understand that Jesus, and this is important, this is important for us. Jesus had made prearrangements. He had, uh, he had already uh, been there. He had talked to this person. He, this was like a, a plan of his. This was a, a premeditated plan. He had made arrangements for this to happen. Now, I want you to understand that this decision, this decision to ride into Jerusalem was something that he had decided long before at this point in time. You see, the prophets of Israel had this, this uh, common practice that, you know, they would be like, uh, and this is the prophets of old. When you think of prophets of old, you're thinking of Isaiah and Jeremiah and Daniel, and you're thinking of Hosea, and you're thinking of Zephaniah and Zechariah and you know, all these prophets. And, you know, these prophets would, like, share the message of God. They would tell the people what God was saying to tell the people. And they would share it, and they would share it, and the people, a lot of times, would just get so used to hearing the message and they would just kind of like zone out. Don't zone out when the message of God is being shared. But they would do that. And they would kind of like not really pay attention to the prophets. And so the prophets had this common practice. And it was really a, a practice that was kind of instigated by the Lord. And the prophets, this, this thing that they would do is when people would like not be hearing the message or not listening to the message, they would do something dramatic to get their attention. You know what I mean? So let me give you an example. This is a crazy example, but this is an example of it. It's biblical. You can go there and read it. You, you'll see it if you want to. Um, in Isaiah chapter 20, God told Isaiah to walk around for three years naked I'm dead serious. This is crazy. But this was a dramatic way that, that God was getting the people's attention. He was trying to get the people to wake up. Listen to the message. Because this is important. You need to hear this. And so there was dramatic things that the prophets would do. And that's just one example. But there are dramatic things that the prophets would do to get the people's attention. And so... It's interesting because Jesus had been preaching and teaching, uh, you know, for three years. He'd been preaching and teaching that his kingdom was not of this world. <laughs> that his kingdom was a kingdom that was different. It wasn't what they expected. And yet the people weren't really listening. They weren't really paying attention. Uh, they didn't really get it. And so uh, he did something very dramatic and really well thought out. He rode a donkey into Jerusalem. Now, you say, how, how dramatic is that? How, like, like what, how did that get the people's attention? Well, there's this really great scripture uh, found in Zechariah, one of those prophets that I mentioned. And when Zechariah was given the prophecy of the, of the Messiah in Zechariah 9, verse 9, he said this, he said, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout in triumph, daughter Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, humble and riding on a donkey. On a colt, the foal of a donkey. And so as, as uh, Jesus has this plan, this this, this well-thought-out, well-formulated plan, he's actually fulfilling 
prophecy in Scripture about the Messiah. He's claiming, Jesus is claiming his Messiahship. Now Jesus was, was staying dramatically that this prophecy is fulfilled in him. Uh, this is very premeditated. The whole impact was that the king who they had been looking for was coming, but not in war, but in peace. You see, when a king came into a, a city in war, they came riding a stallion. They would come riding on a horse, but, but when they came riding into a city on a donkey, it meant that that king came in peace. And so Jesus coming into Jerusalem riding on a donkey was very significant. It was prophecy, and it also held an understanding to those people in that culture that, hey, he is coming in peace, not war. So his action of coming in peace was, was a contradiction of everything that they had hoped for and expected. Now, they, to me, I don't understand, I don't really fully understand that, because the prophecy was clear, right? We just read it. We just read it from Zechariah. Zechariah said very clearly that you're going to see the Messiah come riding in on a donkey. <laughs> Humble. Those were the words. And so they knew that, and yet they still expected their Messiah to come in and make war. See, sometimes our desires override what's true. If your desires override what's true, you got to be really careful with your desires. And so here, Jesus is helping them to see, dramatically understand and see a message that is very important for them in that time. He didn't come to uh, make war and revolt against the Romans. But he came in peace. And as the people shouted, Hosanna, this was a cry, not really just entirely of praise, but also a cry of really what it means. Hosanna means save now. Save now. And what do you think they meant by save now? <laughs> they didn't mean Jesus come into Jerusalem and die on a cross for our sins. They didn't mean that. They were saying, Hosanna, save now. And they meant, Jesus, come in and make war. Save us from this Roman oppression. But Jesus had a different idea, didn't he? And so he was trying to help them to understand. Jesus came into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. This leads us to see why Jesus really came into Jerusalem. This is the whole message of Palm Sunday. This gives us an even, uh, even more of a reason to praise him. Because in this, we see the sheer uh, courage of Jesus as he, as he does this. I, I want to uh, take you to, to John chapter 11, uh, verse 55 through 57. It says in, uh, in John eleven fifty five through 57, Now the Jewish Passover was near, and many went up to Jerusalem from the country to purify themselves before the Passover. They were looking for Jesus, asking one another as they stood in the temple, What do you think? He won't come to the festival, will he? 
The chief priest and the Pharisees had given orders that if anyone knew where he was, he should report it so that they could arrest him. And so Jesus, uh, he knew this. He understood this. Jesus had a price on his head. Jesus was the face on their wanted posters. You know? He was the face on their wanted posters. And and this was a time that if Jesus was going to go into Jerusalem for the Passover, he should have sneaked in at night when he couldn't be detected. He should have sneaked into Jerusalem when no one would see him. If it was one of us, we would have put a disguise on, right? I mean, I would have put hair on, you know. They talked about putting hair on me this morning. And I would have put hair on and maybe a big beard or something like maybe some glasses with a big nose. I don't know. I would have put on some kind of disguise so I could go into Jerusalem and no one would recognize me. That's what most of us would do. But here's Jesus. He enters in such a way as to get all the attention. This is a very prominent way to enter. I mean, he comes in riding on this donkey, and, and people are, they're all just out in the streets. This is a parade. My wife's from Coshocton. Everybody, anybody ever heard of Coshocton? Yeah, there's a few of you. There's a few of you. In Coshocton, if you ride your tractor down the main street, people start putting lawn chairs out. Because they have a parade for everything. I mean, it's like parade time. You know, they're waiting for the candy to be thrown. I mean, when there's a parade, people gather, right? And, and, and people were gathering, and they were excited that Jesus was coming into Jerusalem. And, and we, we saw it demonstrated with the kids this morning. But you know what? It wasn't just kids. It was people of all ages, All ages were lining the streets, and they were excited about Jesus coming into Jerusalem. They had witnessed him doing miracles. They had witnessed him uh, uh, teaching these things that were just amazing and made them think and made them wrestle with things that they believed all their life. It was Jesus. It was Jesus. And they they were excited about him coming into Jerusalem. And they were laying their coats on the road, and he was coming in, and they were waving the palm branches, and they're, Hosanna! Blessed is he. And it's a big event. It's a big event. So he comes into Jerusalem on center stage, blows the trumpet that he has arrived. And it's amazing to think of a man with a price on his head deliberately riding into a city in such a way that every eye is fixed upon him. And Jesus knew what this would mean. He knew what this would mean. It was part of his well-thought-out, premeditated, arranged plan. Arranged plan. He knew that when he made arrangements for the donkey that he would be riding into Jerusalem a wanted man. He knew it was the beginning of the end for his earthly existence. He even understood what the betrayal, the arrest, the trials, the flogging, the thorns on his head, the spit, the hatred, the shame, and the cross would be like. He understood all of that. And yet he said, here I am. I come into Jerusalem. And he basically was saying, come and get me because now, now it is time. 
Now it is time. Did you ever wonder why at times Jesus said he would heal somebody and he would say, don't, don't tell anybody? There, there's instances like that throughout the Gospels. There's times that he would heal somebody and say, now don't, don't go tell people about this. I, I, think, I really believe that he was kind of like, kind of just trying to keep the excitement down. <laughs> because he knew there was a time for what was happening, and it hadn't come yet. But now as he's riding into Jerusalem, I think he's saying, it's time. It's time. Has there ever been more courage? Has there ever been a, a, a more courageous act of love? Has there ever been a more, a more courageous act of, of grace? This is, absolute, uh, this is absolute courage, but it's more than that. It's absolute love for us. It's absolute grace for us. It, it's impossible to exaggerate the amazing grace and love of Jesus. How much easier it would have been for Jesus if he, he would have come to make war and he would have led the revolt, conquered the Roman army. I mean, really, we've talked about this in recent weeks, in, in previous weeks. We talked about how Jesus could have called angels. <laughs> and it easily wiped out armies. <laughs> how easy it would have been for Jesus to come and, and make war. But that would not have saved one single person from their sin. If Jesus would have came and made war, I'd still be in my sin. You'd still be in your sin. We'd still be wallowing in our sin. But today, today we stand redeemed because of the courage of Jesus to ride into Jerusalem on the donkey in peace. Jesus made the ultimate peace between us and God by being the sacrifice in our place. He rode into Jerusalem announcing, I have come to make peace between God and man. And I love, I love that because uh, he knew exactly what he was doing. This was not some kind of uh, random act of his. This was something that he, he knew exactly what he was doing and he did it for a purpose, for a reason. And so... He didn't sneak in so he could sneak out. He didn't come to make war, and that's why it's so beautiful. That's why we rejoice with our minds fixed on the wonderful things about Jesus. Jesus riding into Jerusalem on this donkey. On this Palm Sunday, do you know what it means when we say, Jesus, save now? <laughs> it doesn't mean what the people of that day thought that it meant. Jesus save now. That means Jesus save me now from my sin. Redeem me from my sin. Help me, Lord, to be cleansed and forgiven and made new in you. Have you accepted what Jesus has done for you? That's, that's the message of Palm Sunday. Accepting what Jesus has done for you. Often we think of the cross when we think of what Jesus has done for us. Right? I mean, that's, our minds go straight to the cross. What has Jesus done for you? Straight to the cross, he died for my sins. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's true. But do you realize, what has Jesus done for you? He chose to ride a donkey into Jerusalem. 
really when we, be, when we get right down to it, there are a series of decisions that Jesus made, and it was for us. He did it for us. He chose to ride the donkey into Jerusalem for us. What has Jesus done for you? He rode the donkey into Jerusalem. What has Jesus done for you? Well, you know, he, he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane and said, Father, your will be done. <laughs> what has Jesus done for you? When they came to arrest him and they, they, were, they, they didn't really know which one was Jesus, he said, it is me. What has Jesus done for you? Well, he actually chose not to call the army of angels to defend him. What has Jesus done for you? He actually allowed the, the Roman officer to whip his back. They, he allowed him to, to shove the crown of thorns down on his head. He allowed them to uh, lay him on that old rugged cross and crucify him. What has Jesus done for you? It's so many things. It's so many things, so many decisions that he made. And he made them for you. He made them for me. Jesus did all of this for us. And so when we're saying, Hosanna, and blessed is he, and we're thinking about Jesus walking into, uh, or riding into Jerusalem, we are so excited that Jesus did that for us so that we could be forgiven of our sins. So have you put your whole faith in the one who died so you could be forgiven? I, I, I wish I could do something dramatic this morning. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like, sometimes you feel like the prophets, you know, you, and maybe you felt like this before. Maybe you've been talking to somebody about Jesus and, and they just don't seem to get it or they're not, you know, they don't want to make a commitment or something. And you're just thinking, I wish I could convince them. I wish I could say something. I wish I could do something. We don't have to. Jesus did it all. <laughs> Is there anything more dramatic than what Jesus did? There, there isn't. Nothing should get our attention and the attention of the world. And like the, the, the life, the death, and the resurrection. Of Jesus Christ. God in the flesh. Dying in our place. So that we can be forgiven of our sins. Does that move you? This morning. I want to implore you to accept the free gift of his salvation. Because you know. He rode into Jerusalem on that donkey to start this process that he knew was going to end on the cross. Accept his free gift of salvation. Say yes to Jesus this morning. You know, he is, he is imploring you by the message of the good news. You know, when Jesus, and, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm way ahead of the story here, okay, because we've been... From the beginning of the year, from the time that, you know, you guys did Christmas and, and then we started the beginning of the year, we just kind of been following the life of Jesus. And we've just been talking about Jesus' life and the things that he did and the things that he taught and his interaction with people. And it's been amazing, right? I mean, Jesus is amazing. And, and now we're to this point where we're talking about him riding into Jerusalem and we're starting this what we call Holy Week. 
And Holy Week is all about what he did in that last week and how he went to the cross and died on the cross for our sins and rose from the, the dead, rose from the grave. We're going to celebrate that next Sunday. We're excited about the resurrection, excited about the hope of the resurrection. But then jumping a little bit ahead, just to, just to say this, just, just to say this to you guys this morning. When Jesus rose and he, he spent some time with the, with the disciples and, and 500 others, and, and he came back, he, he got to that point where he was going to go back to heaven. You know? He said some important things, didn't he? He said, go therefore and make disciples. Right? And so he gave us a job to do. Why did he give us that job to do? Because this good news of Jesus is something that should be forever on our lips. We're always talking about it. We're always sharing it. We're sharing it with our life. We're sharing it with our words. We're sharing it with our love. We're sharing Jesus. We're sharing Jesus. We're sharing Jesus. Because it's the good news. It's the greatest news the world will ever hear. And you can't hold it in. You can't hold it to yourself. you got to tell other people about it. And I hope and pray that it starts right here with how much you see Jesus loved you. That he made the decision on that day to ride into Jerusalem, not on a stallion, but on a donkey. And he did it for us. Amen. Amen. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we, we come before you this morning. We're so grateful, Lord, for all that you have done for us. And this morning, Lord, as we have been singing your praises and sharing, Lord, just the, the goodness of the story of how you came in that day to Jerusalem. We are so excited, Lord, that you came in and you came in in peace. To bring peace between us and God. To bridge that gap, to, to be the sacrifice that we could not be. You came, Lord, so that we could be forgiven, saved from our sin, redeemed and be in a relationship with the God of all of the universe. Jesus, you did all of that for us. And we thank you and we praise you this morning for that. And Lord, as we bow before you today, we realize that there may be someone here today or maybe someone online watching that has not made that decision for you. And Lord, today is their day. Today is the day that they are hearing that good news again. They're hearing the wonderful news of your love and your grace and just how much you care for us. And Lord, their heart is being touched by your Holy Spirit. They're being prompted and prodded to turn to you and put their faith in you and believe in you as their Lord and Savior. And Lord, today we want to ask that you will touch their heart and change their life, forgive them of their sins and make them new. Lord, that you will help them to understand that uh, they have life in you, not just life here, but life forever. And Lord, we just pray and ask that you'll do that in the heart of anyone here or anyone listening that doesn't know you yet. 
Lord, for those of us who do know you, we're just continuing to rejoice in you. We love you. We adore you. We thank you so much for what you've done in us. And we're excited about it. And we're excited so much about it, Lord, that we want to be people that share it and tell others and live it in such a way that, Lord, people that come around us, they will know that uh, we have a relationship with you and that it is the most important relationship that we have in our lives. Lord, we pray that uh, our praise won't just end here when we walk through these doors, but it will continue as we leave this place and go through our week and uh, interact with the people that we interact with. Lord, I pray and ask that you'll touch hearts today. And Lord, we, we started with uh, this, this message by, uh, we were coming out of a song that said, turn our eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face. The things of earth grow strangely dim. And Lord, I, I just want to pray for anyone that's hurting today. I want to pray that they'll be able to look into your face. They'll see you, Lord, riding into Jerusalem on that donkey. They'll be able to imagine that and see that you did that just for them. You love them that much. You care about their life. You care about what's going on in their life. You care about every little detail. And, Lord, you, you love them so much that you gave your life for them. And so, Lord, they can trust you with whatever it is, whatever that's hurting them, whatever that's bothering them, whatever is really dragging them down and causing them grief, that they will just really be able to sense your love and your peace and your wonderful uh, hope and all the things, Lord, that you give us, that they'll be wrapped up in that with your arms of love and grace. And, Lord, that they will experience the kind of peace that will help them to go through whatever they're going through today. And they'll be able to rejoice in you and love you and know that you love them. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, as we sing this this closing song, may our hearts just be poured out to you. And again, those that don't know you, that they will just pour their heart out to you in in just a, a way of expressing their grief over the sin that they've had in their life and giving it to you, confessing their sin to you so that they'll be saved from their sin. It says in your scriptures that you're faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So thank you, Lord, for that. We give you all this, we pray all this, and ask all this in Jesus' precious name. If you're able, let's stand and sing, Lord, I need you.